Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. 
Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week and with club football back in full swing, it's time to turn our attentions to quarterfinals of Europe's top competitions from the Champions League through Europa League and the Conference League. We've got it all today, although we'll be focusing primarily on the first of those in this first segment. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host there. And I'm joined by the rank god, Mr. Sam Tai. How are you doing, mate? Hello, my friend. Yes, very exciting. Very exciting time of the year, isn't it? Champions League quarterfinals. The bracket is out. The top eight teams are left. This is where it starts to get really good. I always say it, but this is basically as good as football gets, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. The last eight of the Europa League, Dean, always been my favourite part of the season as well. <laughs> Sadly, it might have been. It might have been. Um, Yeah, you know, I prefer the Premier League, but I'll embrace the Champions League for this episode. I'll accept that it's a good competition. Um, (laughs) I tell you what, lads, I've actually, the first time ever, embraced a different competition in the last few days. No, the last week. March Madness. March Madness. What's your March Madness, have you? Well, San Diego State had a bit of a run. And my friends in San Diego were like, are you watching this? Like, we're doing well. I was like, I don't even really know what it is. Like, let me see if I can watch it. Anyway, so um, yeah, San Diego State got to the national championship. It was last night, but they lost. Um, oh. The Aztecs lost, yeah. So UConn, which is Connecticut, um, they were the champions. But um, yeah, it was quite exciting. There was a, there was a, what do they call it? A buzzer beater. Is that right? Oh, yeah. There you go. Look at you. Look at you expanding into different sports. Yeah. I've got cousins in Connecticut, so they must be over the moon, I imagine. Oh, yeah. They'll be buzzing. Funnily enough, actually, I watched a little bit of a different sport as well, but it was definitely a worse one. It was the return of baseball at the weekend. The was. MLB season. Opening off, day. I, I, got, I got about an hour of it in. You know, I watched yeah. Aaron Judge hit a ball very, very far. It went so far that none of the other players were actually able to catch it because it went out of bounds. I believe it's called a home run. Fantastic <laughs> stuff. Wow. We really are. This is really gone into an ignorance of US sports start, isn't it? This is uh, where we're beginning. Um, I'd right, like we'll... to think that they're listening, though, and they're like, these idiots, honestly. Idiots. Oh, yeah, 100%. Nice Absolute morons. Yeah, why are we I wasn't totally joking idiots. about the buzzer beater. I couldn't remember what it was called. <laughs> no, I know. I know. That was the worrying thing. Right, should we get back to passes that we're actually good at? Uh, and let's... 
talk about the Champions League. Sam, how are we planning on doing this? Are you going to give us a full rundown of every team left in the Champions League? I'm going to rank the last eight teams based on how likely I think they are to win the Champions League. So with the bracket in play now, I love the bracket. It's just such a godsend. We're actually able to do this properly. We're actually able to, to basically plot out the routes and take a look at who will face who and who potentially will face who later on. So it used to be that we were just like shooting in the dark, right? This would probably be more weighted towards the idea of the overall strongest team because you still don't know who's going to face who in the final four. But now we know exactly what's happening. We've taken our, our lead, haven't we, Dean, from March Madness, from the bracket, from a bit <laughs> of college basketball. So I'll start at eight. And at eight, obviously, what that means is this team, in my opinion, is the least likely of the remaining teams to win the Champions League. And I'm going to put Inter. I'm going to put Inter. Good. I had them at eight too. Okay, good. That's good. After a good start yeah. here. Um, they've got a really I had Andelect at eight. Oh, no, that's the wrong call. <laughs> <laughs> no, different call. Wait, wait half an hour. Um, they've got a really bad matchup, I think. Really bad matchup. And they are if not the worst team left in the competition, then then one of the worst. So you sort of mix it together. And I think eighth is about right for them. Um, I do accept that they're a better cup team than the league team this season. They've been much better in knockout competition. But watching them genuinely like scrape by Porto, and, and, I, and I really mean that, they scraped by it. Mm. I just don't really have a lot of faith that Inter can put, put together a run here where they can upset multiple teams and go ahead and reach the final and win it. So I'm going to pop them down at eight. I just don't, I think they've got the least likely chance here of negotiating five incredibly difficult games with the squad they've got and with the season they've had. Yeah, yeah exactly that. I think that um, Benfica, I think, will just be really optimistic and, and confident about this this matchup. Um, you know, the form that they've been in, the results they've been able to pull off so far, the manner of them, the players that they've got in good form at the moment. It's not that Inter can't win this game, obviously. Like, you've got to choose someone to go in at eight. And it's just that there's not a lot of reason to trust Inter Milan in this double header. I think that that's ultimately, for me, what it comes down to. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't want to jump on the toes of where Benfica are going to end up in this list, but I, I'd completely agree. And it's a funny one, isn't it, this? Because there are sides who you would say are more traditionally powerhouses in this competition than Benfica, obviously, who have been on that dreadful run without winning anything since the curse was put on the club by, by Bayer Gutmann. But equally, I, can say, I think you have to consider the form that teams have been in this season. And actually, Inter's form of late has been pretty dreadful. Um, mm. And you look at it, obviously, they, they have a Coppa Italia game tonight against Juventus as we're recording this, they might turn around and win 4-0 and we're going to look a bit silly. But I, I think actually you look at their last couple of games, they lost to Fiorentina at the weekend, they lost to Juve the weekend before that, they drew 0-0 with Porto, which was the result that got them through, but they were very much, lucky is probably the wrong word, but it, it was very much a, a, a finish that could have gone either way. They lost to Spezia before that. Yes, they beat Lecce, but they lost to Bologna before that it does feel like they're in a real funk at the moment and I, I think that's the the difference and yes they have two games here obviously the the Coppa semi today at Juventus and then they've got a game, a game away at Salernitana at the weekend but I just don't know if there's enough time to turn that slump of form around before they have to go to 
to Lisbon. And, and I think that's going to be a horrendous game for them in Lisbon. Yeah, I was trying to trying to balance this up. And I was like, well, oh, Inter, what, that's a tough draw, that is. Benfica's a tough draw. I was like, okay, well, if Benfica's a tough draw, what does a good draw look like for Inter of those remaining seven teams? And the answer is there isn't a single one out there that's a good draw for them. And that's kind of, when you try and weigh this up, Chelsea separate the teams. I, maybe, maybe, but you know, that was the game I could see them winning. But Chelsea now have a new manager bounce, or will have a new manager bounce. So maybe might have. We'll, we'll we'll get to that momentarily. But with Inter, it's like well, they, they, at least they avoided the other side of the draw, the tough side of the draw. It's like well, okay, well on this side of the draw, they've got you know Napoli, who are just clearly better than them. The league form will show you that. Okay, would you rather have um, what a, two games against Benfica or two games against? your city rivals in like the most intense scenario ever. It's like, well, there isn't a scenario here where I'm looking at Inter and thinking, ah, you're the favourites here. So in the end, I put them eighth. And look, you mentioned Chelsea. I put them seventh. And I think for some people, some people would say, well, they should be eighth. They don't even have a manager. You know, we'd have no idea what their situation is going to be. And I don't know if that element of unknown is, 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 can be remotely spun as positive. Some people may try to do so. But I don't think I can I can say that. Uh, we don't know who the manager's going to be by the time they take on Real Madrid. I'm honestly unconvinced that that even matters. Um, I don't think a new manager can really turn this team around and get them into a sort of shape that can beat Real Madrid over two legs particularly quickly. They'd have to re- remind the entire team how to score a goal within about a week, which I believe would be tough. And that you guys you've been protecting yourselves emotionally a little bit over the last month or so. You've been sort of half joking that Chelsea, this is exactly the kind of season where Chelsea go ahead and win the Champions League. And you're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. And the reason I've got them above Inter, despite also having a horrible matchup, but also lacking a manager, is because Chelsea are the kind of team that there is that 5% chance that they might just just go and do it. Whereas I I don't really have that kind of like, x-factor allocation for inter but surely surely not surely Surely with real madrid surely not yeah i mean this is the reason that you probably could put them in at eight it's the pathway too to actually getting to the final for chelsea um it's real madrid and then it's Bayern munich that is city yeah but yeah whichever it's um as, that's as hard as it gets. It really is as hard as it gets to get to the it final is. and then to win the final. So that would be a good argument, to be fair, because Inter Milan fans would be saying, hang on, you can't put us at eight. We're playing Benfica. Like, of course we can beat Benfica and actually get to the semi-final and then also got a very winnable semi-final, potentially, you know, against an Italian rival. So there's there's that too. Um, yeah. And that's fair. That's absolutely fair. So I think it's worth addressing that. Um it's a very much an unknown Chelsea of what we're going to get here. We we really don't know, do we? I think my take on it is that even though this is a more difficult draw, I actually think it's it's one. And I was talking to my friend Max about this. He's a big Chelsea fan. We we're talking about the fact that if Chelsea had got Benfica, I'd have them eighth. The fact that they've got Real Madrid, and this sounds ridiculous. It sounds like complete reverse logic. The fact that they've got a bigger, more obviously powerhouse team in in this quarterfinal. I think in some ways plays into Chelsea's hands because actually a game where they're seen as complete underdogs, no chance they'll go through is probably a little bit more Chelsea than a game where they're expected to beat a team who are flying, who are in form. 
you know, who people won't give the respect they perhaps deserve because they're aside from the Primeira, rather than Real Madrid, who Chelsea will go, this is a massive game, we're going to get up for this, it, it, the crowd, etc., etc. So yeah. I don't think, that's not to say that they're likely to win this game, but I think that Chelsea are more likely to beat a Real Madrid than they are to beat a Benfica, and, and that sounds nuts. Yeah, I mean, you're right, it is backwards logic, but I do understand your point. And I guess the way I would frame the, the same point is that, like, I think Chelsea just have, they have, they have, there's five, there's a five percent chance that they have the players here and the and 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 the luck and the run and the X factor to go ahead and, and topple a few teams and somehow do it. Whereas I just do not believe that Inter have it in them to go to go all the way, even yeah, yeah. even if like they get all the lucky bounces and and and, and rubs of the green. There is a, there is a small possibility that Chelsea can do this. I just I just don't see it with Inter. So even though they're on the tougher side of the draw, I still put them slightly above them. Okay. Bar, bear in mind, ranked seven and eighth, you ain't winning this tournament. <laughs> okay, who's at six then? Okay, so at six is AC Milan. This feels a bit weird because it means that I have placed them below a team that they are going to face, and they literally just beat that same team four nil away away and so you sort of faced with the the task of like deciding how much to draw and extract from that game like is it a signal is it a reckoning uh does this mean that AC Milan are back do they have the upper hand confidence wise on Napoli or should you probably look to the season's body of evidence and weight that much more heavily and so I've kind of gone with the latter I've kind of gone with well, Napoli have been significantly better than AC Milan for the entire season. Um, they were lacking Victor Ossiman for the game at the weekend in which they lost 4-0 and they'll hope that he can be available. Do you have faith that Milan over two legs can go ahead and produce performances like that against Napoli again? Can they, can they do it? Like genuinely, can they do it? And you know, some of the, the most diehard Milan fans will tell me, yes, we've got a good coach, he's defensively minded, he can manage tournament and knockout football very well, and we have two or three players here who can score outrageous goals if we need them to, you know, to make the difference when the margins are very fine. And I'm with you, and that's why, you know, I think there's a separate tier here. We put Chelsea, we put Inter here at the bottom, and then we enter another tier with AC Milan. But I think I've got to say Napoli here. I've got to say that Napoli will come out better off than AC Milan, and so I've put Napoli fifth to to rope in the two basically i'm saying that that weekend result is not representative of where this tie lies okay mm. i think there's something's really interesting do you know that the team who's played at home has not won a tie between napoli and ac milan for the last nine games <laughs> yes so napoli Weird. won at san siro obviously earlier this year now milan have gone to naples and won at the maradona and last nine games the away team well, has either won or it's been a draw. So there's that to consider. It's a bit of one of those weird records and the first legs at San Siro. So, so mm. does that record persist? And if it does persist, can Napoli rack up a lead that will allow them to play? I think the interesting thing with Napoli is that when you when they do, they can kind of play in both ways. And, and I think the weekend, as you say, Sam, was an aberration not a, yes. a moment in, in Napoli season. And obviously, without Osimhen, you can't blame a 4-0 loss on the lack of a striker. Even if that striker is winning the Capocan in the airy hunt by a mile. 
You can't do that. But I do think that the way that Milan were able to step out from the back, the way they were able to pressure, the fact that they were able to get the fullbacks forward, moving on, is all part of the fact that you don't have to worry quite as much when Ossiman isn't there, where it almost takes a full defensive line to contain him. And so I, I wonder about that. I wonder that with him back, are Milan just forced to play in a slightly more defensive way? I also think there's an element of Milan would have gone to Naples on the weekend and they would have seen all these badges, all the threes, all the, the Scudetto things. and gone, hang on, you're not done yet. You're not champions yet. Just that little bit of pressure. And, and, you know, even Maldini came out and talked about anxiety within the camp at Milan. And Rafael Liao posted on Twitter saying, Langsia, which basically just means anxiety with a picture of him celebrating. And you're like, okay, cool. Everyone's clapping at each other. I'm okay with this. It's quite fun. I think Milan were just like, hang on, we ain't gone anywhere. But I also think that the fact that they went back to a four at the back probably surprised Napoli a little bit. I wonder if... Should they have held that in reserve for these games where it's a stun and win? Um, I, I don't know. But it, it, I was it's, joking it's with you guys, wasn't I? Off the back of the, the result, Dean, Dean texted us on Sunday night. Oh my God, Milan are wiping the floor with Napoli. That's like, the worst mistake they can make. <laughs> Napoli here playing the long game. They've gone weaker. They're playing 4D chess here. Lose this one, win in the Champions League, still win the Scudetto. I mean, that's kind of... I'm joking, obviously, but... yeah. I'm, 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 I'm like half convinced that like this was bad <laughs> for Milan, genuinely. Like they've annoyed Napoli. They've pissed them off. Yeah. And now they've got to go and play them twice they again. They poked the legs. hornet's nest. Yeah. I quite fancy good. Milan to win the first leg though. Like I do, especially if Ozzyman isn't back in time. We'll see. Like there's no, I imagine Napoli won't play him at the weekend anyway, even if he's starting to come back to fit. I think they've got Lecce. So they won't, they don't really, shouldn't need him for that game. So then they'll give him a, a, a week's rest, another week from here. Look, Aussie men saying, don't worry, it's only a small thing. I won't be long. But the initial reports, I think uh, I saw a Nigerian journalist saying three three weeks. We should leave it fine um, for him to make that first leg. So I'm sceptical about him being back for that. And if he's not, then I think AC Milan will have to obviously make the most of this opportunity to take a, a lead into that second leg, despite what Jack says about them the home team having no chance in this game. Um, <laughs> they're gonna, Famously, uh, that's what I said, yeah. <laughs> they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to hold a lead because you're right, but like when they go to Napoli, to Naples, um, it, they're going to be on a revenge mission. Like, there's an embarrassment. Like, whether it matters or not in the context of their league campaign doesn't matter. They were absolutely battered and it was like, you could see the tension, you know, there's arguments going on all over the place. Like, it hurts when you get a beating like that. But Milan have to use that and be like, we're not just going to do it once. We're going to do it again. You think that was bad. Wait till you see what's coming next. You think you're the kings of Italy now because you're top of the league. No, you're not. Like We're the reigning champions and we're going to go and win the Champions League now. And this is a yeah. big thing for like for Milan to even be at this stage again. You know, it's it's been a long time coming for Milan to get back to to being on this sort of stage. And um, now that they're there, this is a big test. Look, it hasn't been that convincing so far in the Champions League. If you think back to like the Tottenham game and things like that, these are it's been very fine margins. And even in the in the group stages, you know there were a couple of hairy moments in there. But um, this is just a match up with domestic rivals, and then it's a good semi final that they could then go into, which would be winnable. So, yeah, let, let's see. I, 
I think AC Milan might win it, but it's just a hunch. I mean, look, I think actually moving moving on slightly from this, or maybe going a bit more forward looking, and Jack particularly interested here. If, I think if you and I agree that you know Napoli should be placed above Milan in this ranking, yeah. Do you agree with me that Napoli are as low as fifth? No, I don't know. I, I would I would have had them ahead of Benfica at fourth in the minimum. Uh, to be honest, though, I I think that on this season's body of evidence, Napoli should be considered favourites to win the Champions League because I think they've been the best team in Europe this season. But I do appreciate that that's not all there is to it. I appreciate that no. they're in the quarterfinals for the first time in their history. It'd be so rare for a team to come into that situation and then go and win the tournament. It's not something we've really seen in the Champions League. And I think that there are sides with more pedigree at this element of the tournament. But I think based on who has been the best side in Europe this season, the answer is Napoli, isn't it? Probably. Probably, yes. Um, of course, as you're, you're right in saying that it doesn't necessarily work like that. Um, and I think the pedigree point you make is very important because it almost takes a certain amount of like comfort at this level and understanding at this level to be able to genuinely get over the line. And I think it's something that Manchester City found very, very difficult for like a number of years. And still last season, in incredible circumstances, managed to fall foul of it. And that pedigree needs to be taken into account at this level. And Napoli, as a result of just not reaching the stage for a long time, well, ever in the Champions League era, but a long time in European Cup era, it's 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 it's, it's difficult. It's uncharted territory. It's the same argument that we've really made a lot of the time for Arsenal winning the league. It's like, you almost have to believe it to see it. And I said the same about Napoli, you know, winning the league, that's going to happen. And I'll continue to underestimate them, probably to my own detriment. Um, but at four, I've put Benfica which is another symbol of something. It means that basically I think that should Benfica and Napoli meet in the semi-final, which I think they will, I think Benfica will win. I think they'll beat Napoli. I think their style of play will trump Napoli's. I think they'll just be a really, really difficult customer for them. And it's really hard to say whether or not that's logical or not. It has to be kind of like a gut feeling. But Benfica feel like more of a giant killer this season or this in the sharp end of this tournament than Napoli. Okay. Yeah, I can accept that. Yeah. I can accept that completely. I, I think I can completely get the argument. And I also think that there's an element of it. But I just think if if both semifinals, sorry, if both quarterfinals were, were to go to form, if you will, especially with what we talked about in this side of the bracket. So if Napoli were to beat Milan and Benfica were to beat Inter, I would expect Napoli to beat Benfica. Okay. So therefore, the I would have them above them. Yeah. But I do understand what you're saying about... I, I think that Benfica are more likely to get through their quarter than Napoli are, if you will, if yeah. we're looking at percentages. So I think that, you know, Benfica probably around 75%, I reckon, to qualify from where I'm sitting against Inter. I think Napoli are probably about 60-40 against Milan. But if Benfica and Napoli came up each, against each other, I'd swing it 60-40 to Napoli. So, so that's work on that if you will. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the beauty of the, the, the bracketology and the predictions, right? It's, it's, it's good fun, actually, thinking about it in those senses. But yeah, not only do I have Benfica as a stronger candidate to reach the semis anyway, I just I think, they might, I think they might topple Napoli if they meet them. So I ultimately believe that Benfica are going to reach the Champions League final. The problem for them is that they're only fourth, which kind of leads us back over to the stronger side of the bracket, in quotes. Because the only team that we've talked about 
from that side so far is Chelsea, who don't have a manager. So this is where we start to get to the serious big guns. And as much as we like, you know, fresh faces and fresh stories, that pedigree point you made is really important. And we're going to be talking about three teams here now who who are consistently right at the sharp end of this tournament. Champions League finals and semi-finals between them shared a plenty. But at three, and this is the start of basically a separate tier, <laughs> I am going to go for Jack's favourites for the Champions League, Manchester City. I've got a bad yeah. feeling about them, as in for them, because I'm actually very ready to see this team win a Champions League. I really want Pep Guardiola to win another one, so a lot of people will just shut up. Um, I really want to see Jack Grealish and Kevin De Bruyne and the whole English contingent really win a Champions League because that's great for English football. So I, I will support them in that in that sense. But I've got a bit of a bad feeling. I'm just I'm just not quite sure. And one thing that's really shaken me is the managerial developments in the last week or so, because they've got to play Bayern Munich. And Thomas Tuchel has been a really tricky customer for Pep Guardiola in recent history. And it's something that that Manuel on last week's podcast mentioned very briefly towards the end when he was wrapping up on the Bayern Munich discussion talking about Tuchel and it triggered something in my brain. Tuchel gives Pep real problems. His Chelsea side were really difficult for, for, for Pep to, to interpret and of course he beat them in the Champions League final in 2021. So I sort of stuck on that a little bit and then of course if they were to, to get past that ridiculously difficult tie probably Real Madrid next, who they mm. just crapped the bed with last last season in the most ridiculous circumstances. So like this four game gauntlet potentially is just horrendous. And if, even if they make it through, they've still got to play a final. So for City, I, I feel like there's a couple of things that are just bugging me here. I want them to succeed, but I'm not convinced they can get past all of these obstacles. Can't trust them, can you? Ultimately, it comes down to that. They, you have no trust in them because you can't. You don't know what you're getting. You, you might get an unbelievable. More, uh, you know. They've just absolutely <laughs> blitzed Liverpool, right? They've produced one of the best performances. So, if you were ever going to be high on Man City to win the Champions League, it should be right now. And you're still unconvinced. So, I think that tells you everything about the doubts that are in our minds. So there's no, there's no doubt either that the players will have a nagging feeling in their minds when it comes to certain aspects of the competition and the five games that they would have to play between now and then to actually win the Champions League. Five matches of the highest level football to to win this trophy. Oh, look, should they be capable of it? Absolutely. Like, no doubt about it. Like, on paper, like, they should, they should be able to do this. And that's not it. It's that mental aspect of the game that, that I'm just not convinced. The players have got, and for Pep... Look, let's see. I, I mean, unfortunately for him, the thing that everyone keeps throwing at him about overthinking things keeps being proved true. And what happened last season was a disaster. So uh, I absolutely can't trust him. I think they're a brilliant team. There's still a possibility they win the Premier League, to be fair. If Arsenal do slip up, if they can beat Arsenal in the Premier League, they can still actually do win that competition. But when in the Champions League... Oh, no, I just can't. I just can't see them actually beaten by Munich. I, I really can't. Look, Bayern were good at the weekend, right? But only after Dortmund collapsed, 
It's really important to remember that... After they collapsed, they went 4-0 up, Bayern. How's that? 15, they collapsed very early. Was for, that, 15, they collapsed. for 15 minutes, well, I think it was actually 13. <laughs> Dortmund played with a real swagger, a confidence that I for think Man minutes. City will play with. Until, I don't think... <laughs> okay, all right. Can you see Edison miskicking a clearance into his own net? Because I can't, for what it's worth. Just so, just so we're all clear on that. I don't think that's the only way Bayern are going to go yeah. 1-0 up, though. They're allowed to score in other ways. I, I just think that City, Dortmund played with a real like swagger and exuberance. I think City will play with it. And for 10 minutes, Bayern were like, whoa, what's this? And then, and I appreciate that Tuchel's only had a couple of days in there. I think Freiburg at the weekend will prove a sterner test of what actually Bayern are capable of at this point under Tuchel. Um, and I'll be very, very interested to see how that one plays out because we know what Borussia Dortmund are like at the Allianz. And as soon as they kind of woke up and realized what the occasion was, they collapsed. They completely and utterly imploded. I don't think Bayern needed to do very much to be impressive in that game. They didn't go and batter Dortmund. Dortmund battered themselves. Bayern just picked up the pieces and put them in the back of the net. It, it felt like one of those performances where you're like, there would have been Bayern fans there going, how are we falling up? We haven't done anything. And I think that that's the kind of the point you're looking at this way. It's really easy to look at that and be like, wow, too cool. One game, buying a back. But I don't think that's how it played out from what I watched. And, and, and that's, everyone can see these games differently. But I think that when you watch what Man City did to Liverpool at the weekend against a team that, yes, caused them problems on the break here and there, and I think Bayern will do the same. But mostly they were able to deal with it, to soak it up, to put that extra man into midfield, so the fact that Stones played in midfield, not a right back, because they had so much of the ball and so much of the pressure, I think they will suffocate teams. And I think they are ready, especially if Erling Haaland is back, to punish sides this year. And I think that City are a better side than what you're giving them credit for here. But you're also kind yeah. of forgetting, like, Bayern, when under Nagelsmann, who's apparently not that good, beat PSG it's not them out of the Champions League. Bayern they, were excellent in the Champions League under Nagelsmann. I don't think, so I don't think anyone's excellent under Nagelsmann, that. imagine how good they're going to be under Tuchel. But they were like, excellent in the Champions League. This team's about to have, lift up another level. They're going to lift up another level. They've also got Jao Cancelo. They've got a spy in the camp. They've got someone who <laughs> understands every single element as to how that Man City team is going to function. He might not even play in the actual game. It doesn't matter. He will be the most important member that Tuchel is going to rely on in the build-up to that fixture say, right, what will their plans be if we do this? What would they do if they, what would they be expecting you to do in this situation? And he knows, he knows all the answers. There's not many people that actually know what Pep Guardiola is going to be planning. Jack Cancelo does. So look, there's, I just think there's too many caveats here. Um, you know, even beyond like the pedigree and the, the mind games that come into it, that, that tell me that Bayern are going to edge this game. Um, look, Happy to be proved wrong, definitely, because we want an English team to progress. But I just, I just give him buy in this all day long. Well, look, here's a question for you then: Do you think that I've got Real Madrid at two or Bayern Munich at two? Um, if you're sensible, you always uh, rate Real Madrid to win the Champions League. So hopefully, you've got Bayern Munich at two and Real Madrid at one. I think you are a more sensible human being than that, Sam. So I think you'll have Real Madrid at two because I think you think if Bayern are going to beat City, then they're going to win the Champions League. Jack is correct. <laughs> I have Real Madrid in second place and Bayern Munich in first. So you've gone with logic, and there's no logic when Real Madrid are involved. So. That is true, That's and very, it's a fair point. Very- 
<laughs> Very true. So not to not to disturb the ranking, but since we're we're on Bayern, um, I'll I'll just tell you what I think about. And my rationale for this was that basically with the the new manager element with Thomas Tuchel coming in, it's kind of like a gamble either way. Like wherever you put Bayern in this list feels like a bit of a gamble because it, it, there's this new element to it that you're just not really sure how it's going to play out. And so what I did was I originally I just thought well. Right, let's pretend they had the same manager. Let's pretend Nagelsmann was still involved. How would I rank this uh, this list? And I had Bayern top because for me, they have been the best team in the Champions League this season. Like They've won eight games. They've beaten Barcelona twice, Inter twice, PSG twice. They've only conceded two goals and they were to Victoria Plasenia. Like it was like they've been crazy. Good. What a random statistic as well. <laughs> it's so stupid, but they have been unbelievable. And like when you watch their game, particularly the ones against Barcelona, like, the, the speed and the strength and the aggression and the tactical acumen and then adding in like the technical ability, they are unbelievable. And in big games, they really, really show up. This midfield is, is outrageously good. They're so, so good. And if Leroy Sané is going to play like he did at the weekend, then they get even better. Now, what I had to ask myself was, okay, so if you had Bayern top originally, do they get better or worse or stay the same with Thomas Tuchel in charge? And as long as the answer isn't they get worse, why move them? Why change my why change my theory from what I think has been the best team in the Champions League this season? So that is how I ended up with Bayern retaining top spot. And that is how I ended up slotting Real Madrid in in second place. And a lot of the things I've just said about Bayern Munich apply to them too, right? They have a perfect big game setup. They have a perfect big game mentality. I think they're probably weaker than City on paper, but football's not played on paper. So... If they were to meet them, I think they'd probably beat them again. So that's how City end up in third on my list. Madrid end up in second, but Bayern trump them all. Okay, yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's a fair shout. I mean, Dean, do you want to give the counter punch? No, I, I don't really have an actual defense of Real Madrid and to why they would win this, apart from the fact that they just do. Like that's <laughs> it's Madrid, but it's, it's, it's li- that unfortunately, like there's no <laughs> the point in any deep. There's no point in any deep analysis on this because we all know the reason that Real Madrid might win the Champions League is just because it's the it's the next part of their name, Real Madrid Champions <laughs> League winners. Like that's that's kind of what comes next. Um, they won it last year, so they, I guess there is decreased chance that they do do it again. Um, but I do expect yeah, them to yeah, get past Chelsea. They, they've had a couple. Yeah, they've had a couple of back to back. Back to backs. Yeah, no, they yeah. have done back to backs, but um, those teams would tend to be better than this one probably um then there's the Ancelotti factor I guess you know he sounds like his job might be on the line here I mean whether or not he particularly cares I'm, I'm not sure at this point of his career but um you know if he was to go on <laughs> so amusing it's just like I've done that now it's okay I might just get a new challenge and I think Brazil want me it's all good yeah I think I'm Brazil want me next so I won't worry too much um <laughs> <laughs> I can't take the biggest international job in the world um <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. That, and then you think, well, what if Ancelotti just wins the Champions League and then leaves to go off to Brazil? Like, there's that element to it, too. Um, either way, it might be that this is his last season for sure. I just, I just back Real Madrid. You know that. I don't blame you. I, I, don't, I, I think it's completely fair. I think it's a completely fair position to take. I'm just going to have to try and logic it out and not do that. Yeah, you won't get reasoning from me, Jack. You won't get reasoning no, from no, me. No, no, no. That's fine. I mean, what is, have, you got, have you got an eight, Dean? Have you got your eight to one? I didn't have it like strict out. I just like have it in my in my head. I was just like Inter Milan would definitely my eight. Um, 
to be fair, it might have actually been Benfica at seven. <laughs> um, if that makes any sense. In terms of winning it, I still don't think Benfica have well, got... Well, unless, uh, unless the curse is broken, I suppose it's completely fair. Point. Unless the curse is broken, you may as well put Benfica at eight. Yes, because, it's the thing. you know, Bayer Gutman is still up there. What was it, 100 years, he said. If Eusebio praying his grave couldn't break that curse, then I don't know what can. Exactly. So... Honestly, if we're if we're properly thinking about this, then Benfica are not going to win the Champions League. Um, it's very, highly unlikely. So I probably, to be honest, would have gone Benfica then at seven, and then tops it up from there. Um, Chelsea, I'd have found hard to place if I was doing the actual ranking, because well, it's an unknown, it's an untold factor here as well. We don't actually know when they're going to bring in a new manager. There's there's a, some people I speak or to who say. It will be. Oh, well, they'll probably wait till the summer now. But can they wait? They, they This guy that they got Brighton in charge. Brighton Bruno taking them to the Champions Brighton League. Brighton Bruno is in charge. As we're recording right now, it's, it's obviously Tuesday. So Chelsea play tonight. And the story is, tonight he's picking a team for the, for the first, first time, time in his ever. life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great vibe. So uh, that's how bad Graham Potter was. They're, they're trusting a guy who's never picked a football team before to, to to lead them into the home stretch of the season and into the Champions League latter stages. They're going to bring Lampard so, back for the end of the season, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know what they'll do, but I find it hard to believe that you could actually get to a Champions League final uh, with Bruno in charge. But look, as we've said before, like they've done it before with interims and you never know. You do never know. Can I just bring it back to the main point there, which was it, it doesn't matter what Chelsea do because they've got Real Madrid. Who yeah. are your favourites. So you can't put Chelsea very high at all. But if they did beat Real Madrid, then they win it. So that's, oh, that's hard to place, isn't oh. it? This is the whole Napoli <laughs> dilemma. That's the whole hard Napoli to dilemma from before. Yeah. I think just just for posterity, my eight would have been Inter eight, Chelsea at seven, Milan at six, Benfica at five, Real Madrid at four, Napoli at three, Bayern at two, City at one. That would have been my eight. Okay. Um, okay. So there we have it. There we have it. Uh, I think that was nice. good. I think it was enjoyable. It all kicks off next week. Time. It all kicks off next week. Um, right. After the break, we are going to be talking about the Europa League and the Europa Conference League in slightly less stringent detail. I will I will warn you in advance. We're going to be talking about those two competitions and our favourites to win them as well. Don't go anywhere. Walk the dogs, school drop-off, meetings from 10 to 3, take kids to soccer, then no time left for a jog. When everyone else is relying on you, it's easy to put your needs last. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist online, so you can show up for yourself the way you do for others. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time for our second segment. We're moving on from the Champions League to Europe's most exciting club competitions, the Europa League and the Europa Conference League. This is not the start of UE Ultras, but it may as well be. We're not going to be going into quite as much detail here. Sam kindly did an 8-1. to one. We didn't think you'd want an 8-1 to one on the Europa League or the Europa Conference League. And if you do, they'll be on our YouTube channel in the upcoming days. We're going to be doing full rundowns of these competitions over there on YouTube, which is going to be exciting. But for now, I'm just going to give you our top threes, or my top threes. And a wild card, and that's how I'm gonna. That's how I'm gonna play this because okay. I think it's gonna be sense. interesting. It's not really a top four; it's top three in a wild card. Uh, and so we're starting the Europa League, and in 
third here, third favourites for me for the Europa League are Feyenoord, which I imagine people are going to find relatively surprising considering they have Roma in their quarterfinal in the Europa League. But Feyenoord are 22 games unbeaten and they have lost one of their last 29 fixtures in all competitions. This is a side who are steaming away at the top of the Eredivisie and I believe they're now eight points clear at the top of the Eredivisie because Ajax dropped points this weekend. PSV level with Ajax in second and third and Feyenoord looking pretty comfortable in the fact that they're going to go and win this. They have Roma, which is a replay of last year's Conference League final, which Sam and I Woo! were lucky enough to be in attendance at in Tirana. It was, it was Tirana, lots and Tirana. lots of fun. We had a great time. And that day, Roma were the better side, quite comfortably, I thought. Um, and last season, I thought they were the better side generally. This season, I'm less sure of that. I think the Feyenoord have really exploded into life. We've seen some wonderful breakthrough seasons, especially kind of players coming off the bench. The player who's who's really come into his own in the last couple of weeks is Igor Paixal, who has gone from being a sort of fringe bench player to scoring or assisting almost every time he gets on the pitch. We saw Feyenoord absolutely rinse Shakhtar Donetsk in the previous round. They won 7-1 in the second leg at De Kaip. And I just think that they have the ability to blow teams away. This is a, a team that's very young. It's got a lot of a lot of players in it who are starting to make their breakthroughs. Captain Orkan Kirkchu is 22 years old. They're guided by a very experienced head in Arna Slot. And I just have a feeling that Feyenoord are going to surprise a few people. I think they're going to they're going to beat Roma in this quarter. And then I think that if they do so, they should be set on to get to the final and I would not want a one-off game against this final team no matter who I was because of the capacity they have to just hit the accelerator and go for broke it's really really exciting from, from their perspective I think I have also got them at number three good good well we are, we are agreed upon that then. so far you're correct so far I'm <laughs> correct okay um, at number two, I've gone for Manchester United. Uh, now, I think this is probably where our paths will diverge. And I think most people will have Manchester United as locked on favourites to win the Europa League. And I don't think that's a bad shout by any account. I will add that Manchester United are in a bit of a tailspin. They've gone into a bit of a rut, a funk. You know, uh, there's, there's lots going on. They haven't scored a goal since Manchester United won the League Cup. They haven't scored a goal in the Premier League. They've lost to Liverpool, 7-0. They've lost to Newcastle as well, 2-0 this weekend. And they just look a bit lost at the moment. Now, Casemiro has been absent, which is massive, obviously, for, for the way that Manchester United play. And when he's been back in the side, there have been moments where you've gone, OK, fine. Uh, and they were pretty comfortable at Betis, I thought, last time out. Although, there were moments where Betis caused them problems. And I think a better team than Betis, and I say that as a Betis fan, a team that has more consistency, a team that has a little bit more firepower in the final third. Betis tried something a bit different, not playing Borja Iglesias. They, they went for kind of pace up top to try and unset United. It didn't really work. But there were moments in this game where I thought that Betis had United a little bit on the ropes. And I think a side who are more capable of, of finishing their chances will be able to deal with Manchester United a little bit better. Now, I don't think that side is severe for what it's worth. 
I think Manchester United will dispatch Sevilla comfortably in this quarterfinal. I, I think that that's going to be fine. But I think that a team who are able to control them a little bit more and able to deal with Manchester United a little bit more are going to potentially cause them real problems. And that team, I think, is Juventus, who I've got at number one. Now, this is nuts because I've spent Whoa. the entire season telling people that Juventus have been rubbish. And I stand by saying that for most of this season. <laughs> but Juve have lost once in the last 13. Without the points deduction, they'd be second in Serie A. We have spent a lot of this season singing the praises of teams like Lazio, who have done really well and then played really nice football. We've, we've spoke a lot about Roma on the podcast. We've spoken a lot about Milan. And early in the season, we spoke a lot about Inter. Juve would be ahead of all of these teams if they hadn't had that 15-point reduction. Now, that's not me saying that they shouldn't have had it. Fine. It's none of those things. It's just kind of judging their performances on the results of the season rather than the off-field issues that have permeated the club. And I think that when you look at actually some of the performances that we've seen of late, and I thought those two Freiburg games were going to cause Juventus real problems. I really did. I was, I was convinced that both Nantes and Freiburg would cause Juve problems. And to be perfectly honest with you, neither really did. Nantes did a little bit in the first leg, second half at Juventus, but they were dispatched on their own turf. And the same could be said for Freiburg. There were decisions in terms of red cards that went Juve's way in both those games. They're not necessarily wrong decisions. They were just felt a bit harsh within the context of the game. But I think that Juve are just finding a bit of a groove again. And it's not particularly sexy in terms of the football that's being played. It's not Juve swagger of old, but they're finding a way at the moment. And I think that that is the kind of thing that really could cause Manchester United problems. And so I'm going to go Juve as favourites to win the Europa League. They've got a nice mm. bit of momentum, haven't they? That, and that's the they feel like the opposite of Man United in that respect. Um, and what's really nice about the Juventus story and that momentum is it's being powered by all of these Italian players and, and quite a lot of them are, are academy products. It's, it's Miretti and, and Fagioli and they're, they're really turning up and I don't actually have them in my top three. But now you say it, maybe it doesn't really make sense that I don't. I have, I have Man United as favourites yeah. to win the Europa League, yeah, which I think will surprise absolutely reason. nobody. I've got Feyenoord in third. I've actually got Roma in second. I've got Roma to beat Feyenoord and, and have a real crack at it. And, you know, on, on league standings, um, on form over the course of Serie A, that does not make sense for Roma to be in my top three, but Juventus to be so. Um, and particularly momentum as well, actually. It makes more sense to put Juve in there. But it's Jose Mourinho in a tournament, in a knockout setting, in the Europa League. And it's just like, it'd be, it would be very Jose Mourinho to go ahead and win this tournament. And it's not like they don't have the defensive structure to grind it out. And it's not like they don't have the difference makers. You've got Dybala and Pellegrini. So it's a bit of a shot in the dark there. Maybe 10% bias, but I've got Roma in second. I'd like it a lot. It's a story I would like more than any other, I think. Maybe final, but I'm, I'm, I'm really hot on the, the idea of, of this happening. I think the wild card for me is, is Leverkusen under Chabi Alonso. Now, Leverkusen have a habit, a horrible habit of doing a Leverkusen, which basically means throwing away leads and, uh, and getting themselves knocked out of things. But they have Union Saint-Gilois, who dispatched Union Berlin. They've been Union Berlin's kryptonite yeah. this season. They seem to be the only team that can beat them. Um, 
and in Victor Boniface, they have a striker who the world should be watching. But I just think you look at Leverkusen's last couple of results. They've won six on the bounce. They beat Hertz Berlin, then they beat Ferenc Ross, then they beat Werder Bremen, then they beat Ferenc Ross again. Then they beat Bayern Munich 2-1. And at the weekend, they dispatched Schalke. Now, Schalke are dreadful. But it just feels like they've started to get going a little bit. And the losses have been very, very tight. I think the way you look at them, the, the Monaco loss before that was obviously a, a last-minute goal uh, from Axel Dezassi from about 30 yards. They lost 3-2 to Mainz the, the weekend after that. And then since then, they've been on this wonderful run. I think the first leg being at Leverkusen is probably a positive for them. And the first leg being at home is usually, I would say, normally a negative. But I think that if they can get themselves into a lead, this Leverkusen team are absolutely ferocious on the counter. And they're in that side of the draw that doesn't involve Manchester United and Juventus. They'd be my wildcard pick. Xabi Alonso, obviously, in his rookie season as a manager, it's all a bit new. I'm, I'm invested. Invest in this Xabi Alonso team. He's got, he's got a lot of these players playing beautifully. He's got Frimpong flying. He's got Mustiabi back playing amongst his best football I've ever seen him play. And Florian Wirtz is back in his side now, and I think he's one of the most talented footballers in Europe. So I think that on their day, Leverkusen do anyone. The reason I'm putting them as a wild card is because they're Leverkusen and they famously <laughs> just ruin their own hopes on, on so many occasions. But it's a good run of form and I'm feeling confident. Surely the ultimate wild card here is USG. It's yeah. the Union that beat the Union. Yeah, the not Iron Union, um, if, <laughs> if you will. I just think that at some point, they are the, they are the ultimate wild card. You're absolutely right. And they're, they're really exciting and it's great fun. But I'm just not sure where the ceiling is. Yeah, and, and that's at where I'm stuck. At a certain point, the quality will meet its 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 ceiling. Whereas with Leverkusen, they clearly have players that on their day can can beat anyone, but they it's more foreseeable that they can actually string together five games here where they just go and go and go. So I, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of with you, but uh, doesn't matter, mate, because Roma are going to win the win it all. Well, we would like that. We'd like that very much. Very, very much. Okay, let's go to the Conference League, where I'm going to start at number three with Nice, I think, who are still unbeaten under Didier Degas. And the thing with Nice is that we looked at them at the start of this season and went, well, that's a really weird transfer window. <laughs> that's a really, really strange transfer window. Not necessarily a bad one, just kind of mad across the course of it. You know, Casper Schmeichel came in. Joe Bryan came in on loan from Fulham. Aaron Ramsey came in. Nicola Pepe came in. And you're kind of looking at this going, what's going on? Ross Barkley signed for them. There were all sorts of sort of bizarre things that were happening across the board at Nice. And at first, it really didn't click. It just didn't go. And, uh, you know, we've seen players like Casper Dolberg come in come out again. He's gone on loan to Hoffenheim. We've seen some other players come in, come out. Andy Delort's on loan and not by not getting any games. But just generally, since Degas come in, Nice have been really quite impressive. Um, they, have, they haven't lost in that time. The problem with this is that in over the last couple of weeks, they've just started dropping points left, right and centre. They drew at the weekend to Angers. They drew the weekend before that to Lorient and the weekend before that to Nantes. And I think that when you're, when you're looking at their win against Sheriff, which was very impressive, 
the 3-1 win against Sheriff to kind of just put this one to bed. It all felt like Nice were moving right in the right direction and, and they won a massive derby game at the end of February against Monaco where they trolleyed Monaco at their own gaff. And I, I think when you're looking at this side, they have the capacity uh, to, to go on and do that, but they just haven't done it often enough for me to put them higher up this thing. So they're in the side of the draw with Fiorentina, which I think is, is probably the trickier side of the draw. Um, and then but and they play Basel, who have been a bit of a headache for teams. I don't again, Basel are a team, a bit like Anderlecht in this competition, who I don't think are actually very good. But they've been a headache for teams better than them and they've got to the quarterfinal. So that that is a that's you know, you've got to give credit where it's due. Nice, I want to put higher up this list, but I've I'm gonna stick them in at three. Yeah, um, I don't know what to make of this entire tournament or the last eight. Like I looked at it and I tried to do my own top three and it, it feels incredibly evenly poised. You know, there's maybe one or two teams that I would count out, but there's six here that I think might, like, might somehow chance their way to victory because it's a different, it's a different arena to the champions league where you've got like, you know, your, your top three teams there in my ranking have such pedigree and we know that counts for so much. I'm not convinced that pedigree remotely matters here. Like just not even close Mattering. Well, you can't have got, really, you can't really got, have Conference League pedigree in the second year of it, can you? you? Especially you, when both the teams know. have gone to the final and now in the competition above. <laughs> of course, but let's call it like second tier Europe pedigree or like experience on this kind of stage. It's, it's, let's amalgamate the two competitions into one and say that. But I'm, I'm not convinced it matters. I'm, I'm convinced that there's the luck of the draw counts for much more here. Um, and I think we've seen that in the previous rounds, you know, Basel sneaking past Trabs on Spore when they were you know, down from the first leg was, was pretty weird. You know, Anderlecht beating Villarreal. Really weird. Despite, despite going behind in the first leg. I was like, I just don't... A lot of this doesn't make sense. So a lot of this is like a really quite nice, like roll the dice and see what happens. And, and, and that's why it is so much fun. But I mean, you're the one that has to pick the top three. That's not an easy task here because it, it really feels very, very even. Yeah, I mean, at two, I'm going for RZ Alkmaar. That's 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 where I'm going here. Um, mostly because Jesper Carlsen plays for them, and I firmly believe that Jesper Carlsen is probably the most underrated talent in Europe right now. Uh, I think that this is a good tournament for RZ in the fact that they're probably a little bit shy of where they wanted to be in the table in, in the Eredivisie. They're fourth, which is incredible for them. Um, obviously, it's only the top three plus a shift down if one of them wins the cup. So they're probably going to just about guarantee themselves a European spot for next year uh, at, at this point. They, they lost to Twente a couple of weeks back, but that six-point gap should be enough. They're not going to catch, I don't think, Feyenoord, and they're not going to believe that they can catch Feyenoord at the top of the table. And therefore, the idea of going and winning European silverware is like a pro- becomes a big priority point, I think, for RZ Alkmaar in a way that maybe it doesn't for some of the rest of the sides in this competition. You know, I reference West Ham. They're not in this top three, I'll be honest with you. Um, because I think that their priority has to be staying in the Premier League. Now, West Ham are having a bit of a bounce back of sorts in form, but the Conference League has to be secondary for, for West Ham United right now. Because if they win the Conference League and get relegated, it's still a really bad season. Ozad Alkmaar don't have that issue. They are probably going to guarantee themselves European football. They would do, of course by winning this tournament as well. I think they're comfortable enough in the league to be able to play their first choice 
11 in this tournament. And I just think that when this side of the draw shakes out, they're going to end up playing Ghent in the semi-final. And I think that they'll win that game. So I have Alzed Akmal in second. And I've gone for it. I've gone with my heart. I've gone Fiorentina Great. as favourites to win the Conference League. Because I am shocked. No, I, I think people should be shocked because Fiorentina were dreadful in the first half of this season. They only played well in the Conference League. Since the turn of the year, though, and since the World Cup break, Fiorentina have been really good and people are sleeping on it. And everyone you know, was talking about the weekend going, oh, Inter lost to Fiorentina. That's a shock. Is it? Fiorentina have won nine games on the spin and they're unbeaten in 11. This is a team who have found their groove at the right time in the season. Fiorentina will be looking at the table and going, there is absolutely no reason that we can't qualify for Europe via Serie A again. But also they will be looking at this competition going, absolutely no reason we can't win that. There is no team in the Conference League that should scare Fiorentina in the form that they are currently in. And I, I genuinely believe that having worked it out with Arta Cabral up top, who's finally started to hit his form, with Luka Jovic still the top scorer in this competition, with the injuries starting to abate for Italiano and them starting to work out what's going on at the back, they are the best side in this competition left. And I think that that should make them, rightly, favourites to win it. I think you might be sleeping on West Ham a little bit here, mate. I don't they think are I'm the sleeping best. on West Ham. I, I think, I think that they're the best team in this competition. They're the best squad in this competition, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So they'll probably win it. No, have, you seen, have you seen them play recently? Yeah, have you Maybe watched it's the West New, Ham? What competition is this? The Europa Conference League. Have like, you this seen is West like, Ham play football? Mate, they've barely conceded a goal in the Conference League. It's that bad. Like, that, that doesn't really matter. Like, it's West Ham. I've yeah, got, like, players you, that would get... They'd get... They're better than all of these teams. You and they've right. got nothing really? else to play for because they're going to be safe. Are they, though? Like, yeah, no, they're, they're like 14th for them. They're, ed- they're edging out of it. Like They're edging out yeah, of it. David Moyes, this is how they're he like... saves his job. This is how he saves his job. And like he's like, well, look, I've just won you a, a European trip. I'm not saying they will win this competition. I just think that they ha- you know, you're saying they're going to lose to Ghent. Yeah, they're I am. Gonna lose to- I think they're going to lose to Ghent, yeah. because Mate, they are not going to lose to Ghent. I tell you right now, the <laughs> gift Orban is going to score a hat-trick and write his name in lights for a Premier League right, club okay. to try and sign him. See, I, 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 I watch West Ham at the moment and I find it really difficult to have faith in them doing anything good. Um, and I know that they've obviously got to this point and they've done very well in the Conference League so far, but the calibre of opposition, you know, you have to take into account. This is now the sharp end. There's no more Larnakers, all right? You don't get to play an airport any longer. They're proper teams from this point. And I've got to say that West Ham are not, they're not in my top three either. I, my top look, three I don't is, think is West a, is Ham especially, stab. but West Ham, they also aren't that bad anymore. Like they've beaten Southampton. Oh. They drew with Aston Villa, right? They beat Nottingham Forest 4-0. They drew with Chelsea. They drew with Newcastle. This isn't a team that is actually that bad anymore. Like, they're not, they're not as good as they should be, no. But they're not that bad. You they're not. You tell their fans that, mate. Yeah, I, I think they this is it. Last, last their fans year. will 100% expect to be beating Ghent, no matter how bad they are. I'll Do you not remember, much. though? You remember last year when everyone was like, well, Tottenham are going to absolutely walk this tournament, aren't they? Knock down the groups. Yeah, but West Ham weren't knocked out in the groups. I just think that people underestimate the calibre of competition that these teams provide. I, I, I think that the idea of West Ham walking past Ghent is laughable, considering the form that both of those sides have been in, in their respective divisions. And also, I watched Ghent absolutely dismantle Istanbul Basaksha here last week, who are up there with the top sides in Turkey this season. And they took them apart. 
like absolutely dismantled yeah. them in the first half away from home in an absolute carnival atmosphere. It was unbelievable. I, I was genuinely Dean, so Dean, honestly, that game, I, I tuned in for it. I got there half an hour late. I, I missed kickoff by half an hour. I tuned in. I missed three goals. They were three up. <laughs> no, I know that Genk score a lot of goals. I know that. But I just don't think they're going to beat West Ham. Fair enough. So I'll tell you now that my top three is at three is RZ Alkmaar. At two is Fiorentina. And at one is Ghent. Because there are no rules to this competition. And they keep smacking teams. Absolutely smacking them. Like... 6-2-4-1-3-0-5-0 are their last four results. I watched a bit of the last one against Sarang. I watched them. I missed all the goals, but I watched them against Istanbul. Basak are here. They're actually pretty damn good. Yeah. And they do feel like they have that surprise element that you do need in the Conference League where there are no rules. So it's a stab. No idea. But I've actually got Ghent top. Fair. Ghent were going to be my wildcard. So I think I'll, I'll accept that. And on that bombshell, I think it's probably time for us to call this second segment to an end and roll onwards to our third and final segment. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to part three of Ranks FC, where it's time to hand the floor over to my man, Mr. Dean Jones. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Gregor Kerbel. Take a bow, my friend. Take a bow. We try, when possible, not to give it to goalkeepers. Promise. Promise. (laughs) But um, sometimes they really are unavoidable. Um, And at the weekend, it's actually attributed as an own goal to Kerbel. I thought that was um, harsh. I'm not sure harsh because it just looks like he's completely missed the ball, and that's it's the problem with this. If he'd have connected with the robbery. ball, I think we would. Yeah, we wouldn't have had a problem if he'd have actually <laughs> connected. Um, but yeah, the ball comes over the top. I'm sure you've all seen it. 13 minutes into Bayern Munich v Borussia Dortmund, and uh, the Dortmund keeper comes running out his goal, attempts to kick it, misses the ball, doesn't even look back does not even bother looking as to whether anyone's managed to stick it in the net or not or where it's gone. He knows where he was positioned. He knows how fast the ball was moving. He knows where it's ending up and he's just waiting to hear the roar. And his head is in his hands, just standing there in the middle of a football pitch miles away from his goal. It's absolutely disastrous. And there was almost there was no way back because Munich went on to score the next two goals so quickly after that. Oh, mate, it was like a stab in the chest, wasn't it? It was awful. It was the last thing that Dortmund needed in that game. There's that what great camera angle, isn't there, of, uh, of Kerbal ends up putting his, putting his hands over his head. Mm. And in the background of the shot, you can see Leroy Sané chasing the ball into the net. Yeah. And Kerbal, and like, he's already, he's already despondent before the ball has gone over the line. But you're right, he knows the trajectory, the speed. He knows exactly what's about. It doesn't matter if Sané gets there or not. Like, that ball is going in. Like Sané, I'm sure, could have got there. He definitely could have. He, he left, left it on he purpose. Did, he left it. I was thinking that. I was like, why has he left it? Well, I think he thought Upa Makano he... might have scored. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I he was like, I get loads of goals. Upa Makano never gets a goal. Let me just yeah, lay maybe, it Maybe, yeah. I mean, been most forwards were still a poke. yard strike here, guys. He's, like, this is like the, one of the most like long-distance goals in history, and it, it's been taken off him by... Yeah. I was surprised to see it was down as known goal. Yeah, I don't really know how that's going. He definitely was on target. I don't see how was, that's come. I just don't think Kerbal touched it. Also, he could have done without that. It's, in, it's embarrassing enough. Doesn't need yeah. his name up there as well. 
Anyway, people, really? that was without doubt the melon of the week. Although Decore for Everton almost, almost, almost stole it, it last night. Almost. If they'd lost, well, if they'd lost he would have been right up there. If they'd lost, I think I probably would have given it to Decore. If he was facing a ban and he'd cost his game, cost yeah. his team three points, then I, I think I would have been tempted to go for Decore. But yeah, it was. It he was is, he's still going to be. He's still going to miss three of the last nine, though. I yeah. mean, that he was bailed out by his pretty, old pal Michael Keane, wasn't he? That's a, and that's a pretty yeah. serious chunk of a it's run a, in there. It's a problem for Sean Dyche because he has named the same starting eleven for four games in a row now. So Why are we doing that? <laughs> he's actually, playing really well. He's actually got to change his team. So annoying <laughs> for him. Just be able to like. It's when you're in like in a, in a good a good save on football manager and you just want to get through it as quick as you can. You can just keep picking the same team. Um, <laughs> don't bother changing quick it. I want to get through this just, before we go out for dinner. Battering the space bar. Yeah, just um. click, bang, bang, bang. Right. Um, it's time for shout out of the week. And thank you, people, for answering my prayers. You came through well. Six of you did, plus one rogue review um, who just battered Jack for. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this game is one at J.H. Sherman. Jackie is an yeah. idiot whose coverage of the USMNT is so mind-blowingly stupid or blatantly propagandistic that all I care about is giving one-star reviews to all his projects. MLS is garbage. When Jack eventually leaves, I'll revisit this review. Here's Jack. You've just brought down our average review, right? For your Can't remember what I've said. Soccer. Can't remember. What... I think I... it's what I've too positive about MLS. That's generally yeah, I think I think the, the fact the you watch MLS. Yeah, you watch yeah. MLS, so we deserve a one star. Who knows? Um, but all the rest were five stars. So thanks to the rest of you and those of you who did it on Spotify too and can't write the words. But um, the shout out of the week does go to Rasmus Larson, who is a good friend of this show and he's a very loyal rank squad fan. So thank you, Rasmus. He's a greatest football podcast. Simply the best out there with a great cast. Jack is the glue, keeping it all together with a pure passion for football, no matter the level which obviously some people don't like because they give us one star. <laughs> Sam is the rank god and makes sure the discussions never end between the three. With Sam and Jack, you will learn way more than you need to about the most random clubs and players. Dean is the old realist who has been in the business for a long time and has all the insider knowledge about transfers and club management that you'll need. If you have any self-respect as a football fan, go and listen to Ranks FC. Cheers, Rasmus. Cheers, Rasmus. What a guy. That's a good one. That's a cracker. Yeah, Thanks very that should much. should be on mate. our adverts. Yeah, we could put it testimonials on the website. Yeah, we should have a testimonials, mate. These could all go we in should. testimonials page of the website. There we go. We haven't been on we our website yet. We have actually got one. Yeah, ranks. Got a website. Go on ranks.football and you'll uh, you'll find some, some stuff of on our, there. our articles. We've got some great articles. The most random article ever, wasn't it, last week, Sam? Yeah. Yeah, you know... Um, there's look, there's a lot of areas of football we cover and touch, but we rarely go to the Alsvenskan, the Swedish top tier. Uh, but one of our one of our patrons who's been doing a bit of writing for us, uh, John Gilding, very good writer. Uh, it's probably his third piece up on the Ranks website. He previewed the top young talents to be watching in this year's Swedish first tier. Uh, it was interesting. I, I, I mean, it. I, I learned. I learned lots. Well, I everything. I knew none of it. <laughs> it was great stuff. Really, really good yeah. stuff. Really enjoyed it. Uh, go and check out the website, ranks.football. Right. <laughs> Sam, are you back on gibberish? It's been nice having you. It's been, it was a bit of a weird, weird one last week. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, Did you? I didn't think you would. I was listening to it, so I actually only listened to the listening end of the to it while you literally almost died. I'm thinking they're <laughs> taking the piss out of me for this. <laughs> I only listened to the, the final segment, actually, uh, on Monday afternoon when I popped down to the shop. 
So I was actually stood in the aisle in Londis, cracking up as you were repeating what I how I described my injuries. And it's, it's, it's definitely caused a bit of self-reflection. I am potentially a little dramatic. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a word for this, you know? <laughs> so it's, um, it's, yeah, maybe I'll adjust my language. Maybe I'll just be like, oh, my throat doesn't feel very well. I'm not like it's, it's been lacerated or whatever I said. Um, possibly. But I'm, a, I'm a writer, you know, this is just the way it is. Um, and look, if I'm going to miss a podcast, in the throat. <laughs> yeah, if, if I'm going to miss a pod, guys, it's probably better off that I do it because I'm not feeling well rather than maybe I've just like gone to Scotland to watch some rugby. Jack, maybe probably a better reason to miss one. But never don't know, man. Don't know. Not sure. He said that in his mind all day. He couldn't wait to get yeah. that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, you know what? You know what? The gibberish <laughs> this week is uh, we're going to loop back towards the Champions League bracket because... Uh, my wife, Rachel, watched me agonizing over where to put these teams on the sofa last night as I was trying to put it together in the evening. And I kept complaining. It was really difficult, really hard to separate all the teams. And she said, I'll do it. I said, OK, she said, yeah, give it here. I'll do it. I was like, great. Crack on then. Do my Champions League bracket for me. Do the show. So she She's took great. the laptop off me and she uh, she basically decided how the Champions League will go. So the gibberish this week is Rachel's Champions League bracket. Perfect. The bad news for four of these teams is that you've been dumped out rather unceremoniously. She actually had nothing good to say. It wasn't even a conversation to be had for Chelsea, Milan, Benfica or Bayern Munich. You are all losing your quarterfinals and by seemingly from what she said, a substantial margin. Um, in her ranking, she has Chelsea at eighth. She was actually at Stamford Bridge at the weekend. She watched them lose. She was not impressed and so was insistent on putting them dead last. The reasons for Milan being seventh, though, slightly more spurious. She thinks that Napoli will beat them because Napoli wear blue and she likes those kits more. So a bit of analysis right. and a bit of garbage to go mm. kind of hand in hand there. Good mm. good bit of analysis on Chelsea. Not Less great so. on Milan. Although I do think she's come to the right conclusion if via the wrong route. Um, into the semi-finals, City are going to beat Madrid. And Inter are going to beat Napoli. She's got Inter in the Champions League final. Our eighth ranked team are going to the final. She put that in and then she sort of looked at me for a bit of reassurance. And I gave her nothing. I was playing full stone face. Poker face tie. Yeah, she said, oh, Inter. Uh, They're good, aren't they? Yeah, she said. I said, yeah. And she said, is Lukaku still playing for them? I said, yeah. She goes, ah. That's good then. He's in great form. <laughs> <laughs> that is unfortunately where my face cracked. Um, I, I just couldn't really hold it in. But she's, But then we move on to the final and Man City will be beating Inter. Uh, it's a happy, happy ending for Pep and his men. Congratulations to them. Rach watched City versus Liverpool early on the Saturday. I think that might have informed a few things. So uh, congratulations to City. Wow! So to everyone else, Rach and Jack have the same same opinion on who's going to win the same opinions of football. Yeah, 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 yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and now the great fun is going to be it's going to be fun, isn't it? In June, when we look back and her bracket was better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's eminently possible. Eminently possible. Uh, and on that bombshell, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day. So all that's left for me to do is to say thank you so much to the rank god, Mister Sam Tai. Cheers, mate. <laughs>
Thank you to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Uh, just a reminder that we talked in full about Graham Potter's sacking from Chelsea and Brendan Rodgers' sacking from Leicester City on Monday's Postbox over on our Patreon. There's a 30-day free trial. The link is in the description if you fancy coming and trying us out over on Patreon, seeing if those two extra episodes a week are Something that you might enjoy. Lots to dissect there. It was a mad weekend of football. We went through it in a 90-minute furore on Monday. So plenty to dig your teeth into. And we'll be coming back on Friday with Spotlight. Looking forward to the weekend ahead as well. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for listening as ever, gang. And we will see you next week. Take it easy. Peace. Walk the dogs, school drop-off, meetings from 10 to 3, take kids to soccer, then no time left for a jog. When everyone else is relying on you, it's easy to put your needs last. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist online, so you can show up for yourself the way you do for others. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. Final seconds of the game, a chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.